But hello and welcome back to another episode of the In Around Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Will Hunt, and joining me this week, like every week, is the Mosley Marauder himself. He is the gum-chewing, car-crashing, I can't remember the rest of it, but it's Mr. David Carmichael Harris. Good evening. Good evening to you too, David. And to his left on the computer screen, at least, is Mr. Michael Breslin. Of course, sports media's number one. Number one. Talisa Endubs and Joel Linton, super fan. Um, Hello, Ross Bird, <clears throat> Mr. Pod Ross, Ross Bird will be joining us very shortly, but at the moment he is not here, which leads me to like jump out of the blocks with the most important question of the week. What is the worst film you've ever seen? Because I've seen a new one that's bad. Oh, hello. I'm intrigued by um, this, but I'm just thinking. The Raven was a tough watch. Yeah. Yes, yes, John Cusack as Edgar Allan Poe. Tough scene. Lots of tough scenes, in fact. Um, yeah. I mean, I've I've watched some, some bad films. Um, one in particular, that I, I knew it, I watched it knowing it would be bad, but there's this film out there called Rubber, um, and it's about a killer tyre, and it's, it's quite hilarious. What? Yeah, mate. <laughs> I had to watch it. I had to watch it. I was on Amazon Prime years ago. No, I, I was I, like, there's no way this film can be remotely good. And let me tell you, it had low standards and it fell below. What's, what's, the, what's the premise, Dave? It has what's 60% the on Rotten Tomatoes. What's so the premise, Dave? Basically, there's a car tyre, right? And it comes to life in a yard and it goes around <laughs> killing people. How like, does it kill people? It literally like bludgeons them against the wall and stuff, and just. But it's a tire. Yeah, but it rolls over them at like eighty miles an hour. Well, how big is this tire? Heavy. Pretty sizable. I think it's like a, a truck tire, like a lorry tire, tire, not tire. I mean, it's it's a good tire. It's unbelievable. It's a good tire. <laughs> unbelievable work rate. Must cover miles and miles in the film. Can I can I just read you the the critics' consensus of the Raven? Okay, go on. go on. It has 22%, by the way, on Rotten Tomatoes. It's a tough, yeah. tough scene. Sorry, Rubber has 68%, and I am... Rotten Tomatoes is, 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 is not always trustworthy. Yeah. Uh, the, the critics' consensus here, fitly scripted, unevenly acted, and overall preposterous. The Raven mm-hmm. disgraces the legacy of Edgar Allan Poe with, with a rote murder mystery that's more silly than scary. And I would actually agree with that. It Me was you definitely more silly than scary. Me and you um, saw this in the cinema together, actually. An absolute stinker. Um, What's yours, Will? So, I had another one to put forward, sorry, that was more serious about a film that I didn't think would be necessarily bad. That Fantastic Four film. Oh! Was it like 2015? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, really, really bad. Entire back third of the film's not there. Anyway, ladies and gentlemen... I saw two films. I caught two films this weekend. One in the actual cinema. The first was Top Gun Maverick, which was an absolutely sensational film. You should all watch it. Fantastic. 96% right, on the tomato. Honestly, the right amount of cheese, action, everything. Superb. And then yesterday, I had the misfortune of catching a film that has that has stayed with me throughout today. And you know it's a bad, you know it's a particularly disturbing film when it carries on with you through the day. So, have either of you seen the Arnold Schwarzenegger film Junior? No. no. So the premise of this film is that he is a scientist who 
becomes pregnant due to a drug. Yes, I saw that on TV the other day. I didn't stay around to watch the whole thing, but weirdly enough, that was on TV like yesterday. And weird concept in film. I, I probably stayed around for about 20 minutes. Essentially, it is a comedy with Danny DeVito as well, where they people end up pregnant, but Arnold Schwarzenegger ends up pregnant. Just baffling in so many different ways. Maybe, the, and I was thinking to myself until I heard about this killer tire. Maybe the worst premise for a film I've ever seen. Um, and I was sat there and I was like, I was like, this film's just not good. But the worst part about it is it stuck with me all day because I've been thinking to myself, how would I feel if I was to get pregnant myself? And it's been really freaking me out. And there's like real biological problems, like obviously with a man giving birth. So it's just, it's called a comedy, and let's be honest, lads, it's it's a horror film. So I just wanted to share that with you all. The critics say that Rubber is a clever premise, which seems strange to me. Yeah. Anyway. Well, I, th- I thought we'd better start can us I, off. No, sorry, can I just tell the listeners that if anyone is going to N-Dubs in Birmingham, November the 12th, at six o'clock, I will see them front right. <laughs> <laughs> I just had to get had to get that in there early doors. Is this because it's, Alice it's has refused bargain. to come with you? Well, yeah, I need some friends basically, but <laughs> <laughs> so I'll take you down the front. Uh, <laughs> okay. Um, speaking of needing some support, let's talk about um, Liverpool in the Champions League final. Oh, um, so I'm I, I so want to. It's, it is interesting, and we've got lots to talk about. Um, but I think we will start this with a, a quick synopsis of the game ourselves. We all watched it together. Um, I think I'm pretty clear on what the two of you thought of it as a spectacle. But do you want to talk to me about the game itself, and then we'll get on to all the stuff surrounding it? Mike, do you want to take us kick us off? Uh, yeah, it was a pretty crap game, I thought. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but no, Real Madrid obviously did what you'd expect. They kind of sat back, hoping to catch Liverpool on the break. Liverpool had a lot more of the ball. Uh, actually, not as lot much more than I thought. Fifty-four to forty-six on the possession. So I think it's because I think it's because when you watch the game, they felt so much more progressive with it. Yeah, I think that would. Yeah, I think that checks out. Um, Twenty-four shots from Liverpool, four to to Real Madrid. Obviously, the one goal. Separates the two sides, but yeah, not the greatest of spectacle. Probably not helped by the the long delay to kick off. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know if we are going to discuss this or not later. Oh, on, we but, will. Oh, we will. Yeah, I thought we might. Um, and then obviously Camilla Cabello came out and did her thing. So. Oh dear God. Um, I don't think we need to be like the Super Bowl. It's a different sport. Let's no, just not do these pre-match performances no one's there for that um but yeah Salah I thought a bit disappointing um obviously Benzema also kept pretty quiet but that's why I'm out of the match clearly some of those saves he made there was one in the first half which was world class tipping that one onto the post and then the second one well the one that I can remember anyway Salah looked like it was the ball was already past him and he somehow 
tipped it wide. It was pretty amazing. Yeah, I mean, on individual performances, Dave, who who was the most disappointing for you? Do you think of all the players on the pitch? Because a lot of talent there. Um, I'd say Thiago. Really, I mean, I I was thinking Salah, but I mean, Salah did force a couple of good saves. Uh, I mean, you could argue Mane wasn't, but to be honest, Thiago. I mean. Everyone knows that Madrid midfield three are, are pretty excellent, even as they get older, especially Modric. And Thiago has the qualities he's shown a lot this season, I feel, compared to his first season, especially. And honestly, when he got subbed off, I'd pretty much forgotten he was even on the pitch. Um, and the reason I go with Thiago is I feel like the way Madrid set up, if they'd been... If he'd turned up, he would have made it far harder for for Madrid um, and obviously would have helped his teammates, but he just didn't seem to go on the ball, didn't seem to do much. Um, to be honest, and again with Salah, he's been so poor recently, I don't know if I was even expecting a particularly good performance, given he hasn't really put one in for about five months. Apparently, he, he warmed up kind of on his own. Away from the rest of the starting 11s, so they weren't. I don't think they were sure right up until kickoff, really, that he was going to start. Tiago or yeah. Salah? Tiago, sorry. Because he was carrying a, a knock, wasn't he, going into it? Yeah. <clears throat> I, think I thought. It seems almost like he pulled a bit of a Harry Kane, declared himself fit for the final when he probably wasn't. And then. Yeah. He, he felt anonymous. I, I, I personally thought Salah was really disappointing, but I mean, it continues a trend. I think, I think they've played three finals this year, and Salah's been poor in every single one. Yeah, that's true. And uh, Diaz as well on the left didn't, didn't get up too much. I don't, I don't want to say that. It was well, he was hell, but... he was up against the best right back in Spanish football history, wasn't he? Of course, Mike. Good grief! Honestly, Carver Howe is a fraud out there. People saying he had the game of his life. I mean, honestly. He might have had the game of his life. He is that shit. Yeah, it's, it's possible. I don't rate him at all. Yeah. And, I, uh, and I, to be fair, we were watching it together. And if you'd have been in that room, I don't think you'd have thought Carver Howe played well. <laughs> um, I think I sat there after the game and I thought, to my, I thought to myself, I don't think anyone's played appallingly here. I don't think anyone was. I don't think there were any real stinker performances. I do, and then I think there was one absolutely outstanding one from Courtois that was the difference, really. Um, Dave, I just wanted to ask you a question. Obviously, Klopp has lost um, a number of finals since he's a, he's become mm-hmm. Liverpool coach. Um, this is the latest in that line. Um, he's also won. He's also won plenty too. It does feel to me that you watched this game and. He did all he had to do in keeping Benzema quiet. He devised a game plan that worked worked really well. Yeah. Kept Benzema quiet. Um, and then they scored their one chance and they came up against an absolutely superb performance from a goalkeeper. Do, how much of this do you feel is on Klopp? Do you think it's fair? Do you think there's something there that he keeps losing these finals? I mean, that final yesterday, not yesterday, uh, on Saturday in particular... I feel like he definitely set them up right. And I mean, you know, if Courtois isn't, you know, I'm not saying Courtois is not already a good keeper, but I felt like that's probably a career-defining game for him, it feels like. I mean, that is an exceptional performance. 
If he, if he <laughs> it was Manchester... a career-defining post-match interview. Sorry to interrupt. Yeah, no. <laughs> no, but my thing was is like, you know, if Courtois has an eight out of ten instead of a ten out of ten game, probably two of those chances or at least one goes in. I mean, he set them up to to do well. They dominated the game. They had more chances. I, I, the only question I really level up, Klopp, is when it's clear Plan A isn't working. He doesn't really have a plan B, does he? I mean, the players he brought off the bench, other than than Jota, I mean, the level and the the level of those players is obviously way below the players he he has already out on the pitch. I mean, maybe that isn't Klopp's fault. I mean, obviously that comes down as well to the Liverpool board. But I feel like if his plan A doesn't work, he's he's pretty stuffed. Like, how often do you see? Liverpool massively change a game other than Klopp bollock them at half-time. There's not really a, a plan B other than... Well, it's not even Jota anymore because Firmino's not as good. What do, you even, what do you even do in this situation when they're sort of sat in? Like, what do you even do I've, to sort of open up the game for a team that's so dependent on counter-pressing and pressing? Sounds stupid, I know, because obviously Real Madrid have the quality to just rip you apart and they, they need did on the break to Ross's horror with Sabeos a couple of times but the, you, um, I think in those situations I mean finals at the end of the day they're a game you need to win I, I still think any manager it doesn't matter what level they're at I'm sorry we need that. to stop for a second what, what game don't you there. need to win what game don't you need to win Dave yeah but finals, finals are, are a, a one no, off in a league game, if you if you don't win the game, it does, it's not necessarily make or break because you've got 37 other opportunities. You only have one final in each competition. Just throw on attacking players. You might as well just go hell for leather at the end and hope that yeah, you when you chance. Yeah, when you're 1-0 down, that, yeah. It, it probably wasn't the best line Dave's ever said. It also wasn't the worst, but the point is, is right. That. Didn't he do you, that? You didn't he throw on attacking players? Didn't he give give everyone a bit of a run out? I mean, who didn't play from the attacking thing? Are we really clamouring for Minamino? I mean, Origi was injured. No, yeah, I mean, that, that's a good point. There isn't much else that he could have brought on, but maybe you can switch the system a bit. I don't know. Yeah, Take I, think the more, even. I think that was more my thing. I know his personality couldn't have done much better, but I didn't feel like like Liverpool's attacking was more they were able to put balls into the box because Madrid was sitting even deeper rather than Liverpool taking the game and like getting the ball forward quicker they were just yeah they were sort of playing into Madrid's hands weren't they Madrid was sitting back and they were like okay we're just going to sort of pump balls into the box which is exactly what you want us to do when you're sit- when we're sitting in in fairness i think they could have played until everyone with a ticket had got in the ground and Liverpool wouldn't have scored. They just weren't going. They just weren't going to get past. I just, I just don't think they were going to get past Courtois on that day. Or Carvajal down the right, man. Well, that's no, I could get past that guy. Five Champions Leagues now, Mike. Five. Yeah, well, it helps when you're in a good Real Madrid team that had Ronaldo for a while. Marcelo's life. Getting a statue with me or something, and he's not that good. <laughs> I'm out. I'm out to get them. I, these fullbacks, they're frauds. 
and the, particularly the one playing right back for Liverpool on uh, on Saturday night. Yeah, there we are. It's the right time to do it. Uh, hello, Ross, by the way. Um, evening. Good evening. Quick thing, like, is obviously they lost it on the on Trent losing Vinicius. I, I, it's really difficult to call it out for anything other than what it is. It's an individual mistake. Like, he's not switched on. And that is the one thing that we've all said, despite him being a wonderful footballer, um, we're worried about. I mean, you said it best, but I think when we were watching the game, Mike, um, you said, you said he's, I'd, have him in my, I'd have him in my team, but I don't like him. <laughs> Which he's, def- pretty- he's worth more goals than, he's, than he gives away at the back. Definitely, but that was a big, that was a big, big lapse of concentration. It's and you know when he's running towards his own goal, there's only really one place that someone can be, which is behind him, and he just never looks. But almost as if he either he doesn't think there's someone there, or I, I don't know what that was not good defending. Because because I mean we all sat there before the game. And I think I think every single article that was written about the game was Vinicius versus Trent, Vinicius versus Trent. Because I don't know about the rest of you, I I reckon Trent still has nightmares about last year when he had to play him in the Champions League in the quarterfinals, and he just got torn a right new one. Um, so yeah, that, those will be replaced by more nightmares <laughs> yeah. about him again. Yeah, and I, I actually thought. Um, I actually thought he did okay, particularly because I think having the pace of Canati next to him was a big deal. But I don't know. Ross, do you, I mean, looking at that Trent performance, does that influence you when you think about perhaps England and playing Trent at a World Cup? Are you still sticking with the best defensive right back in Europe in Kyle Walker? Or are you going perhaps to James? Well, I think you have to think about these things. Because although, as you say, probably creates more than he gives away, in, in a one-off thing like that, in a big game, it doesn't really matter. If he yeah, makes one mistake, it doesn't give you win. anything. Then, uh, and I know, I mean, I know Mike doesn't love Kyle Walker, but he is, if he lets, lets him go, someone go like that, he's probably got the pace to maybe recover. Trent's not he's super not- quick. He wouldn't have stopped that goal by his pace. No. But I like Reese James, to be fair, if I'm being honest. Um, But, yeah. You have to think about... I mean... Yeah, because if he gives you no assists, but a goal losing error, then, yeah, you've got to think about it. Look, I'll read I'll set. Amazing cropper right-backs, by the way. So out. (laughs) Even Reese James. No, there's one... Well, Reese James in the semi-finals did really well against Vinicius. And he's locked him up. He's good going forward. Really Stamford good. Fridge. I like James. He's, he's my pick. But... Look, he's the best one, clearly. I, I don't... Look, I don't want to be dancing on Trent's grave here or something, but I've never seen Reese James trying to steal someone's pregnant wife. Um, <laughs> that's all I'm going to say. Right. And also, Reese James last year in the Champions League final... One of his best ever games. Can't say the same about Trent, can we? <laughs> um, right. Just, I do want to revisit Benzema. I know he was quiet in this one, but I mean, if you look at his stats for the entire run, it's ridiculous. A huge overperformance of um, uh, XG. I mean, 
he was and unbelievable. It was like nine that point it was like nine xg didn't yeah it? yeah Crazy. he was excellent versus psg amazing against chelsea and amazing against city had a bit of a quiet game here but still i thought was was pretty decent um do you think this is the Ballon d'Or wrapped up for him because obviously he's led uh, real madrid to league glory and la liga too so it does kind of feel like it's his year i think surely yeah I mean, I mean, yeah. You're thinking Ronaldo's gone. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not a messy year, is it? So. <laughs> uh, well, no, not a messy Ballon d'Or year. No, it's not a. I mean, yeah, 15 goals in a Champions League winning run. I don't know how how high he was in the La Liga top score. It's pretty high, I would guess. He was, he was really high. He, he won the Pichichi. He won the Pichichi. Well, there you go. So, so what? Top scorer when they won the Champions League and top scorer in the league when they won the league. Yeah, yeah. So, tough to say no to Ballon d'Or yeah. for that. Really. How got, much you... Yeah, twenty-seven goals in thirty-two games in the league with twelve assists. Ridiculous, ridiculous. Um, how much do you think this affects his legacy? Because for so long he's been the Robin to Ronaldo's Batman, particularly in the other four Champions League wins. He's often sacrificed his game to sort of play that little connecting role. Mike. How do you think? Do you think having this win where he's so clearly the best player, um, do you think that is going to change the way we perhaps think about him in five, ten years? I think it has to. Definitely. I mean, he was kind of, yeah, just the second in command. The ball was always going to Ronaldo and he was getting all the stats, whereas now he's that man and he's delivered week after week, big game after big game. Um, in this run, he's definitely. I mean, I definitely underappreciate him given what he's done. So, as far as it's already affecting what I think his legacy is, like now. Um, so yeah, I think that was a, the fact they got over the line as well. It would have been remembered pretty amazingly, but the fact they got over the line <clears throat> in the final is huge. I think for that. Yeah. Um. So. The reason I'll bring this up is because I want to ask you this question, Mike and Dave, because I'm not asking to you. I'm just asking to you, Ross, but you weren't on the podcast when we did this. We picked our Champions League all-time 11, and up front, the front three were Messi, Ronaldo, and Eto, and the midfield trio was, which is a pretty solid trio, um, was Iniesta, uh, it was Iniesta, Cruz, and Seydorf, I think. Oh, Right. Here's what I want to ask you, guys. Do you think now, after this, Benzema has that centre-forward spot locked down? And do you think that Modric, who was imperious throughout this run, has to enter into that midfield three? I'd say, yeah, for both. I mean, both of them have five Champions Leagues. Modric was always... I mean, the thing is, I think we're realising post-Ronaldo, and obviously, let's not discredit, Bale was basically, in, he was class for a couple of seasons, like at least three of these Champions Leagues, if not four. The thing is, is that we knew they were key parts of the team, but when the other the parts have gone, they're still able to do it themselves. And I think that cements their legacy, really. Because the whole argument of, you know, Benzema and Modric possibly winning because Ronaldo carried that team, They've done it themselves when, I mean, at 34 and 36, 
you know, a lot, so many players are over, starting to go over the hill at that age. And Modric is a joke. Absolute joke. He looks like he'd play like 120 minutes easily. And Benzema this season, I mean, like Ross says, 15, 15 goals in the Champions League. He basically pulled them through the knockout rounds. Uh, yeah, I think that's their legacy cemented both as part of the teams they've been in, but also life after Ronaldo that they've still gone there and done it, really. I'd have, yeah, I'd have um, Bajic and Benzema both in for the for Seydorf and Eto'o, was it? Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's what that's I was right. just about to come on to that, because I'd ask you and that midfield drops out. I, I think as good as Seydorf was, I don't think he was ever quite as influential as Modric was. Yeah, I think that's a swap I'm happy to make. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I did want to quickly touch on Tony. I, I want to touch on Tony Cruz quickly because the guy was the guy was a massively important part of the Bayern Munich team that won a historic treble, and then he went to um, Real Madrid on a what I think was a cup, either a free or a cup price transfer. And you just look at what he's been able to achieve there. It, He's incredible. He's an absolutely amazing player. World He'd Cup be winner on too. That door as well. World honest. Cup winner too. Like I, I, yeah. I, th- I think he's one of those players that we sort of, again, the shadow of Ronaldo looms large and um, just a phenomenal player that we probably don't give enough credit to over here. Yeah, I also didn't realise that he was such a big Robbie Williams fan, which I found yeah. out on Saturday, and I am so here for that. That is my favourite thing to tell people whenever I talk about Tony Cruz. And you would, I told Ross a few weeks ago, and Ross didn't believe me um, until we looked it up on Twitter. And it's crazy how much he, he loves Robbie Williams. And quite frankly, it, he's got taste, hasn't he? Sing when you're winning. That's what the big so here say. Twenty-two million the fee was back in twenty fourteen. Wow, that's crazy, deal. isn't it? Crazy, yeah. crazy, great. What a player! What a guy! Um, and while we're on the subject of legacy, Carlo, King Carlo, um, how do we reflect on Carlo Ancelotti? Because it is bizarre that although he's won a league title um, in every single league he's ever managed in. Um, He's never really dominated domestically in any of those leagues. He's never gone back-to-back, as far as I can imagine. But when it comes to Europe, he just has this knack. I mean, this is what? Gibbs fourth? Fourth? Yeah, fourth? Fifth? Five, I think. Five? No, it's got to be fifth, five, six, oh, seven, four. It's four. Two in Milan, two in Madrid. Got yeah. it. You've got two as a player. Uh, and then four yeah, as yeah. manager now, right? Yeah. Where I does he... he was such a good player. Where does yeah. he sit in the pantheon, do you think, of all-time managers? He's he's definitely up there, I think. I mean, like you say, he's he's managed to win a league in each country he's managed, um, albeit not necessarily prolifically. I mean, one with AC Milan uh, out of a few seasons. I mean, he got one at Chelsea, one PSG, this one at Real Madrid, one with Bayern. I mean, he ticks that off, but I think, obviously, what I'm getting at is he's only won one or two at teams with league titles. However, to be this dominant in Champions League, I mean, I think that is something to be said about just calibre of managers that can sort of get teams over the line in that tournament. Like, it is the, the hardest club tournament in the world. And so many good teams, so many good managers get to a final 
or, or maybe never even get to a final, let alone win it. And he's taken teams to winning four. I mean, that's pretty ridiculous. Like, even Ferguson um, were. How many did Ferguson win? Two? Or yeah, four, I think. Two, Someone two. else has won oh, four up there. Isn't he the most decorated Champions League manager now? I think he probably is, yeah. Yeah, he is. He is. And it's, we perhaps don't give. I, he's another one where perhaps we don't talk about him the way we should talk about him. I think it's probably something to do with his managerial style in that he's very much a bit more laid back. We don't. We don't talk about him as a tact we don't get really excited about him as a tactician like we do with uh, Klopp or uh, not Klopp uh, Guardiola or even Tommy Tactics or we don't talk about his the way he is like we talk about Klopp the way Klopp is and the way Ferguson was and that man management but we just sort of he trucks along and gets the best out of top quality players and keeps winning which is the hardest thing to do is to manage superstars is there a Carl? Is there an Ancelotti like autobiography? Oh, there is. There is. Quiet there leadership. I've got to read that. I've got to read that. Is. One of my favourite autobiographies involving Ancelotti is the Pirlo one. If you haven't read about how they tormented Gattuso, it is hysterically funny. Um, <laughs> oh, I shan't I spoil any more than that. Gattuso. Yeah, no, it is really funny. <laughs> he chases them down a hallway. It's very funny. Anyway. Um, I guess we should touch on the perhaps unsavoury scenes outside. Obviously, there were um, fighting between the police and fans. And to be honest, I don't really know what happened. Um, Could someone want to clear it up, if they're possible? Uh, from what I've seen... Scav's correspondent. And not, yeah, what I'm going to try and get at is not necessarily what people were speculating at the time. From what it seems like, the overall consensus is that Quite a few people turned up without tickets. Now, it seems that most people doing that were actually uh, like people from Paris, like French locals. Obviously, there were some Liverpool fans, um, but it would seem that from like the videos and stuff going around, that to say that it was all Liverpool fans without tickets would be a horror sort of overstatement. It seems that a lot of the videos going around and people running around is, is people speaking French. And people even said that it would seem that some people turned up trying their luck um, and and ran in. That obviously led to the the well police sort. There's some a crazy video I've seen of a, a Liverpool fans literally scanning his ticket in the turnstile, and a policeman walks up to him, pepper sprays him in the face when he's literally like the guy's doing nothing other than scanning his ticket. I mean that is crazy that. Like that guy should be fired. Like, come on now. Like, you're going to pepper spray also... a guy for putting a ticket so he can scan his barcode. I mean, footballing rivalry aside, whatever you think of Liverpool, whatever, no football fan deserves to be pepper sprayed for scanning their bloody ticket in a turnstile. Like, that is nuts. Absolutely nuts that that happened. So, obviously, in light of people turning up about tickets and probably the volume of the queues, I imagine it got pretty heated, which led to police being aggressive. Obviously, fans will retaliate. And then you've got locals thrown in. Supposedly, there was people trying to rob Liverpool fans. Just sounds like a total disorganised chaos without the proper protection you would expect. And exactly, I, yeah, it sounds I would like go, it's terribly organised. Yeah, I would go to say it's down to the organisers. I don't think it's down to the fans. 
No, from what I've seen, it, it, you know when you go to a big game, there's like a perimeter, like, I don't know, half yep. a mile away from the ground. Supposedly, they weren't scanning any tickets there, which meant that all these people without tickets could just join the queue. Hence why they were so close to the ground. And also, on the Liverpool side, the reason it didn't happen on the Madrid side, but it did on the Liverpool side, is because that it, there's a, um, they were funneling them through a tunnel, which caused a massive bottleneck. And there were some fans, uh, there were some vans in the way, police vans, which they wouldn't move for some reason to release the, the bottleneck. So you've got thousands of people trying to get to the biggest game of their life outside at like, what, 10, to, 10 minutes to kick off? Still outside, legitimately with tickets. It's like, well, it's it, it, everything I've seen. It sounds like most people behave pretty well, and as you'd normally expect, given the circumstances, and that it was just badly organised and poorly dealt with. There was a lot of um, similarities, really, to what happened at the Euro final. Yeah, uh, yeah. And it's no coincidence the UA were involved both times. I mean. Not to be the like. Could you imagine how this would have been covered if it was the African Cup of Nations final? Well, could you imagine exactly. the way people would have talked point. about it? And I think it's. I, I'm not saying it's escaped. Escaped it a bit in the aftermath, but it was. It was shocking. It, I couldn't really believe what I was seeing. I think no. I think safety has to be paramount at any large scale of event, football match or not and the fact that a multi-million pound organisation like UEFA has messed up like that and hasn't clearly thought it through is is nuts and quite frankly I know that I know that there's a problem, there's obviously going to be a problem in that kind of world when you've had two years of not doing large scale events with full capacity grounds but for, to have such a big occasion spoiled like this was really tough I'm not sure you can use that as an excuse because they have been putting one of these games on every year. They have, <laughs> but they have, but and, they have. And this stadium's hosted big events for years and true, years. That, true, they have. But what you've got to understand is while they had the pandemic and they, had, they weren't dealing with full capacity crowds and they also had, were able to put in more stringent measures because they had to do COVID secure messaging. So that sort of, that adds an extra level of security and needs for checking. And then when you remove that, for the UEFA, when you remove that for the um, European, oh, the Euros final, and you remove it here, that's where you see the failures because there's not le- there's less things to tick. So and I get what you're saying in that they've got plenty of experience in this, and they should have plenty of experience in this. But also, I think in that world, when you've had two years off doing stuff, it's you are going to see slippage, and you're going to see people who perhaps aren't thinking about the things they need to think about. It's meant to be the showpiece event of the of UEFA's calendar, and they cocked it up. And you've got you've got well, yeah, they totally cocked it up. And you've got reports of people saying they don't want to go to one again. Yeah, well, who in the crowd? That's meant to be like, regardless of the score, best night of their life, almost potentially. Yeah, yeah I mean, they if they got if Liverpool got there again, a lot of the fans wouldn't want to go. Yeah, I, I think it's. It, it, it's a, it is a real stain, and something that needs serious to be seriously looked at. And the way that the way that the it's it's classic, it's classic. People in positions of power cock up, and they immediately rush to blame the average person. Like this whole idea of like tons of fake ticketing. Look, I believe that 
that that doesn't wash quite frankly i'm glad that i'm glad that people in some of the more prominent journalists out there are calling out quite happy about that anyway um good end to a slightly bad couple of weeks for madrid though um obviously project mbappe he was supposed to be the the poster boy of the future for them um ronaldo fan it, it's been a honestly will they won't they on a scale you haven't seen since ross and rachel <laughs> it's crazy what's been happening here um and eventually he's made his decision lads um he's taken an absolute shit ton of money from psg he's staying there for three years and um yeah, his hometown club. What do you guys make of the decision from oh, Mbappe and Mbappe legacy point of view? I think I think it's baffling in terms of football, but in terms of an individual, I mean, let's be honest, if someone throws that amount of money and promises that power, how how many players say no to that? Like, the other day... It's, it's a bonkers, bonkers amount of money, and they're giving him essentially, like, almost board member control at the club. It's it's unprecedented really. I mean yeah. people people for example, the closest thing I can think of, there was that whole thing when Chelsea were losing managers that there was that belief that there was a crop of players that were influential. And and yeah, if you have long serving members of any club, they probably are pretty influential in a, a changing room. But this is literally employing a player to individually be like, you know, you can have a say in who we sign, who we get rid of, who you want to play with, even, it would seem. That is bonkers. Like, how would how do the rest of the PSG players feel about that? I mean, Neymar, Neymar obviously must have a massive ego. It's Neymar. Messi is Messi. And most of the players they put... No, but what I'm saying is... By giving a player that much money and freedom of, power, well, not freedom, that much power, how how many other players could seek that sort of deal? There, I mean, like Neymar's been there for ages. It's, it's, it's bonkers to me on an individual. But it's bonkers to me on the how rest many, of the team. I mean, I mean, it's not just any player, is it? I mean, this is this is Mbappe, who, it, let's be honest, lads, is the next best player in world football. Yeah, yeah I mean, but, he is. And it struck me. It strikes me that I mean, I, I've I have the same concerns as you, Dave. I think I think it's bad. I think it's, I wouldn't do it. I don't think it's anywhere to run a football club. And I think you've seen already that PSG's culture is completely broken, and that managers don't feel that they have the ultimate power to do anything there. You've already seen that, and you are right. This adds to it further. I I when I saw that, I thought to myself, and I don't know about you, Ross, as another NBA fan, that sounded to me very much kind of like similar to some of the powers that we see in that sport, particularly with like where you talk about like, oh, have has that trade been agreed or vetoed by a, a big player? So what did you make of that? Yeah, well, it's like what, what people say. LeBron has that kind of control, like involved in coaching hires and stuff. It's not, I don't want to say it's common over there, but you do hear about it. And it's just kind of assumed that the top players there are involved in those kind of decisions, whereas you don't really hear about it in football. Well, does anyone does anyone really think that Messi didn't have a say in what was going on at Barcelona? Probably, but 
Yeah, I mean, I mean maybe they, they uh, well, I suppose they probably talked to him before they made big decisions, I would have thought. But would he even have to stop things from happening and things? Or Yeah, but is it not things? a normal thing to talk to like a senior leadership group? I know that in this case, yeah. that suppose, person, yeah. is that not the, a normal thing? A leadership council, do? as you will. Or a council, yeah, well. Made famous by Mikel Arteta's Arsenal, thank you very much. Also made famous by the Chicago Bulls, who had a leadership committee. <laughs> oh, yes, yes. Famously terrible. Yeah. <laughs> One thing as well, is in terms of football, I mean, by the time Mbappe leaves PSG, if he leaves at the end of this deal, it would be, what, like 26? I mean, even if he goes on to, you know, like the Premier League, or, let's be honest, probably the Premier League, I mean, he's... That's the league where people make their real what legacy in this. Yeah, but if, if he's he moving, he's going what? to Madrid. No, but what I'm saying is Premier League, La Liga, probably the only two. I mean, Bundesliga is definitely not strong enough, and Serie A. I mean, he would score a no, goals what, a season. There, what, what he's I'm, going to Madrid. No, 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 Will, you're not letting me finish my point. Okay. What I'm saying. Well, is, I didn't interrupt you. Some of the others what, did. But there we are. What I'm saying is, if he goes there at 26, even if he does really well, it's going to hurt his legacy because people are like, oh, he was only good from like 26 to 32 and not 10 years at the top. Because yeah, we'll however, however big PSG's ambitions are, they're not at the top. They bottle the Champions League and they win a league that's the least respected of the top five leagues. So, D- Dave, it's, Dave. It's baffling. Dave, I hear, what you, I hear what you're saying, but that is the most privileged nonsense look at a league title there is. I don't care. I don't care what league it is. It's still a league title and it's still you have to win it. And also, we're talking about a player who won the World Cup. He won the World Cup as the best player. When was he? How old was he? Like 18? No, I he's, know well. He but... can do whatever. He can do whatever he likes now for the rest of his career. He's secure. Absolutely secure as one of the best yeah, but players. He's definitely to do it. financially secure. Yeah, but do you not do you not think it'll almost be the same as Neymar? No, people no, already say about Neymar. If Neymar had stayed at Barca, think how much more he could have I won. I don't. I think it's massively. Okay. I think I think it's massively different because I personally think that if Mbappe brings home a Champions League for Real Madrid, for Real Madrid, it means nothing. If he brings home a Champions League, if he brings home PSG's first Champions League for his hometown club, that is legacy making. Yeah, bringing home the bringing home the fifteenth Real Madrid Champions League, joining Real because you got to understand he'd have joined Real Madrid after they'd won the Champions League and the Liga. Do they need him? Yes, we know yeah. they need him, but do they actually need him? Well, they need him in the sense that everyone in world football needs him. Yeah, but, they, <laughs> but what does he have to gain from going there from from a legacy point? No, I, I agree with you. Nothing. Yeah. I agree with you, hundred percent. Because the thing is, if, if they yeah, if you say if they won the Champions League of the league this year and they win neither next year, having got him, that looks not great for him as well. But, and, so. and I think I think although look the French, I think I'm in agreement with you, Dave, that the French league is weak. I'm in agreement with you that the, the German league is weak. Uh, in 20 years' time, when because 20 years ago, Syria was much more was stronger than the English league and it was stronger than the Spanish yeah. league and then the Spanish league was stronger than the English league and now the English league stronger it will fluctuate and at the end of it you will only be left when you're looking back on careers like this you're going to be left with the fact that Mbappe dominated his f- football in his home country won a, ch- won a 
won a World Cup. I mean, if we get to twenty, if we get to twenty six, and he hasn't won the Champions League with PSG, then we can talk. But he's still got. A, he's still got. By the end of his contract, he's going to be entering into his prime. I, I don't think that, as a legacy player, I actually think he. I think if nothing happens, nothing, nothing happens. But if he wins one, I think that is possibly the biggest move he can make in fo- left to make in football. For him, at least. When was, I when was the last opinion on this? I really haven't. When was the last time f- French football had a Champions League winner? Did Moss? I don't know. Did Marseille win it? Will that match fixing Marseille team? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't know the ins and outs. I was thinking that was the team that came to mind as a possible French team that won the Champions League. I don't know. But we're looking at at least twenty years, so that is huge. I just think the the win, whether or not he can do it with how they've hamstrung the coach of that club. I mean, I don't know what you guys think. I think that club is now uncoachable. Yeah, I mean, look at the guys. It's been like that for a while. Tuchel, Emery, Pochettino now. Yeah, I mean, they, they reckon Poch might stay now after all this. I thought I thought he was going to leave. Yeah, it's it seemed for about three months like he's going to leave, but apparently he might stay now. Don't know if Mbappe's a fan of his or what, but Mbappe's all, first order of business: keep about... Poch in the job. Yeah, <laughs> Here's a hundred million, and we'll keep uh, we'll keep potching the job. <laughs> did did anyone enjoy though the way the Madrid fans dealt with Mbappe's rejection? No, because they're, oh my, they're just very, like oh, we're Real Madrid, so we're like it's like it's their right to sign the world's best players all the time, and no one else. I don't know. <laughs> I didn't like it at all. I'm here for it. I thoroughly enjoyed it. I enjoyed the way that it was like it was like someone in year seven had, had like broke up with their girlfriend, <laughs> and they were like, "No, I didn't love you anyway." Like, it's not even good, you know. It was really good, Rodrigo. <laughs> I've always loved Rodrigo. Yeah, it was a bit like that too. <laughs> yeah, it was a bit. It was great. Really enjoyed it. Um, I hope they buy like Richarlison. <laughs> you see that fan who paid for a Madrid shirt? Paid to have it printed on the back, like. Mbappe zero champion. Yeah, I saw. What a Dave, as our resident scouts reporter, I want to talk to you. I want to talk to you quickly about the um, the news that Mane's leaving. Um, yeah. Liverpool are announced that he's going to be moving on. Um, he was Klopp's Did first signing. I, I totally missed this. Fabrizio sorry. Romano announced it, and he does oh, favourite journalist. He does not announce something unless the ball is literally rolling over the goal line. <laughs> he is just <laughs> honestly, I, I'm sick of him. Um, but Dave, just wanted to come to you because obviously he was the first real player of the Klopp era, and now he's moving yeah. on to. It's assumed by Munich. What are you? What's the impact you think this will have on Liverpool next season? I mean, he's been he's been great for them since he he came, been integral to that team and the whole era really. The Klopp era. He's one of the players you always think of, isn't he? Like Mane, Salah, Firmino. I think that's the three in terms of attacking players that everyone will see as them at their peak. Um, I mean, firstly, how do you really replace him? Like obviously Diaz is looking decent, but Mane probably been one of the best 
one of the best players consistently in that Liverpool team now for like five seasons, which means in the way Liverpool play, one of the best players in the whole of the Premier League, you, you could say. Definitely attacking players. Definitely. Um, I mean, on the other hand, he is, what, like 30 now? He's out of contract soon. Maybe he feels... And let's be honest here at Liverpool, he's pretty much won everything that, that they could. Like, he's won Premier League, Champions League, FA Cup, League Cup, Club World Cup. Maybe he just thinks, look, you know, now's the best time to move on after they didn't win the Champions League or the league. And I, I think... As much as you hate to see a player that's been integral to to an era of a team leave, maybe now makes sense for him to leave, really, rather than waiting another season where Liverpool might be begging him to sign a contract and he doesn't and it ends sour grapes. And maybe he just thinks, look, maybe it's best I go, the club get a bit of money for me. And it's, yeah, it's like a nicer end to his time at Liverpool than him basically being like, no, I'm not signing a contract four times until we get to June next year. Is this not a free, no? I think he's still got one year left. Oh. Got one year well, left. They're looking right. at it. The, the talk couldn't... is buying Munich for £40 million. Oh. But I think... Yeah, they couldn't but... extend both him and Salah, could they? Let's be honest. No. no and I think, I think they're... So either he leaves on a free next year or they take a bit of money from this year so I think it when he goes out I know it didn't win but it's going out while he's still good kind of thing isn't it well I mean it's interesting he's probably been Liverpool's best player in 2022 yeah yeah because Salah's been no good has he second half he's certainly come good and scored a lot of big goals Um, yeah I, I think it's a big I think it's a big miss I mean from from his perspective though if you want to try something new, um, the Bundesliga is almost purpose for him. Like it's perfect. You're not really going to see that decline oh over there. Oh, my God. No. He is going to have a field day against them. He'll be scoring as many as Lewandowski. Honestly. As a transfer merry-go-round, I mean, Lewandowski might not even be there. I don't think he is going to be there. That be is why. Barcelona scoring 12 goals a season. Well, it's a similar situation, isn't it? He's got one year left. But, um, but I, don't, I don't want to let him go, do they? No, no. It's, just, it's interesting that. I mean, Mane will be a big miss for the Premier League. Yeah, um, sure. And a big miss for Liverpool, too, because. Uh, and Diaz is a phenomenal player, but he, he hasn't quite got Mane's goal output. No. Um, yeah, yeah. Mane's been a pretty consistent scorer, even when he was at Southampton, hasn't he? All the way through. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tough scene for Liverpool. Tough scene, and uh, tough scene for Mike Preston, who's got to leave us. Yes, indeed. He's got get, pleasure. Got to get in line for those end up tickets, eh? I've, luckily, I've already, as I said earlier, I have already managed to get hold of one of those, so we're fine on that front. But uh... <laughs> what? Quick. Talisa, the best member of Endubs? Or is it Phaser? Love it. There's no best member, is there? For being honest. Yeah, they're all, Phaser. They've all got, they're all the number one. <laughs> oh, there we are. Look at that. Look at that. You sh- that's great radio. You should okay, work as a podcaster. 
Um, we on our, we're on our way up too, except just to say that Mr. David Harris is um, bringing his expert analysis of the championship to us next week as we uh, have a look at who's coming up into the Premier League. Um, but I want to speak for the two of you. I am happy that Notts Forest won. Me too. Me too. Big club that it's going to be good to have back in the Premier League. Yeah, I mean, after Huddersfield's exploits last time they were up, I'm not sure. Yeah. I mean, Forest haven't been up for... Have they? I'm assuming they were... Were they up in like the early Prem days? Not too sure. Well, I don't think they've ever Forest. been in the Premier League. They, they? Have, they, sure. were in, they were in at the end of the 90s. I think they got relegated in like oh, 1999 right. or 1998. So not really in our memory. Well, I like these of, new clubs in. They're one of those clubs I always associate as being a Premier League club, even though I don't think I've ever actually seen them in the league. Do you know what I mean? They were historically good, weren't they? Yeah, yeah. Well, it's good to have them back in, good to have another Midlands club in, good to have different clubs. I mean, I don't know about you, Dave, I have no time for watching Huddersfield come in after the stinky job they did last time. I always think with the Prem as well, it's nice to have a team that hasn't been in for a while, really. No, I agree. Yeah. It's nice to see what another team can do with the opportunity, because like we always moan about, but like Fulham, West Brom, Watford, probably Huddersfield this time if they'd come up. They're yeah. just teams that don't seem to take the opportunity and Forrest have been waiting for so long and they're certainly bigger than those other teams mentioned. I think, Norwich. Well, yeah, Norwich is also <laughs> a team on that as well. Yeah, it'd be nice to see a team that, like Brentford, obviously yeah. they haven't been in the top division for ages. I mean, Brentford even more so in years but those teams seem to have more of a hunger to make a go of it whereas the others sort of go through the motions I feel those teams like we'll probably see Fulham do the same season as they always do like Watford and Norwich did exactly what we predicted them to do so I'm I'm happy for us to get the opportunity Um, and yeah I think I'm quite excited to see what he can do really Dave, looking forward to giving a looking forward to getting that wrap up of the championships from you next week. I'll leave, I'll, I'll, I won't go into too much about Forest, but after six games, they had one point and I know turn around. So turn around. I mean, they are quite an interesting club to read about as well. I've got a lot of time for them. Um, oh, but Dave, in the meantime, if the people want to keep up with you, where can they keep up with you? Uh, it's at Dave Harris underscore forty four um, and. If you're an Mbappe fan, uh, I expect you don't have my opinions. <laughs> no, I mean it's, it's it, it wasn't that you, it wasn't that you. It was, it wasn't that no, it was I do get point. your point about his legacy. Nice, I nice mean, to have a debate about it, but I, I get your point about it. his legacy. Like he was already seen as one of the best players in world football at like eighteen, nineteen, and no one can ever take that away from him when he won a World Cup and took Monaco to that pretty historic league title. Yeah, I mean it's crazy, isn't it? Um, but they, Ross, if the people want to follow you, where can they follow you? At Ross underscore bird fourteen on Twitter. And you can follow Mike Breslin at Mikey Breslin. You can follow me at Wilhunt seventeen. But please don't, please instead follow me at In and Follow us all, sorry, at the In and Around Ground on all socials. Um, you'll find us there tweeting all sorts of things such as hashtag Ross for Rouge. Now remember ladies and gentlemen we're trying to get Ross Bird a meal at Cafe Rouge. He's never eaten there. Um, so if you if you need to please tweet at them hashtag Ross for that's a le- that's a number four. Rouge. Have Ross we had any confirmed Rouge. tweets at Cafe Rouge? No, absolutely zero. So <laughs> 
Look, step up your game, lads. I mean, it can be emails, it can be mentions on Facebook too, Instagram. Emails. TikTok. One of those chain emails from like 2004. Send, send you, I tell you what, find your local Cafe Rouge maitre d'. Add him on MSN. Send him a message. You know? What about if we make a LinkedIn page for the pod and we just keep messaging them? I think, All of the senior think, board members. We've got a highly the, successful sports podcast. We're looking for a sponsorship there. <laughs> I look, look, I keep but saying this. I is. can't wait to sell out. Like, I'll become Jake Humphreys in a heart, heartbeat, mate. The creator oh, of podcasting. Honestly, it would just be everything. It would be like, it all started in a spare bedroom. Could you imagine I could write the LinkedIn post now? Anyway, <laughs> Back Ross, before that, we go, man. Before we go, I need you, you weren't here for the start of the podcast, I need you to tell the listeners, what's the worst film you've ever seen? Oh, the worst film I've ever seen. Um, I mean, I've seen a few howlers in my time. A couple of hooners. Some of them I've seen with you, to be fair, as well. Um, yep. Some of them I've been directed to by you also. <laughs> uh, uh, we'll throw out Batman and Robin. Oh, what killed the dinosaurs? Dice age. Um, I'll do it. I'll do it. We'll, go. we'll leave it on that. We'll leave it on that. I'll leave 